Well, this morning, by way of introduction, we're going to talk a little bit about fruit. How many people like fruit? Uh, Pretty good. Well, certain times of the year, we can get fruit here, around here. This is kind of past now, but if we want to get strawberries, where do we go? Where, 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 Where do we get them from? Plant City, you can pick them, or you can go to Publix, or... Sprouts or wherever you need to go to get those, and usually the price goes down as the season gets stronger. What about blueberries? Winter Haven, uh, they grow a lot of blueberries. Did you know that? And you can go pick those if you want to. Now, those are a little harder to pick. They're a lot smaller, aren't they? But they're very good when they're fresh. But even when we can't get certain fruits here in Florida, then we get some of them imported from south of the United States, from Sprouts and other stores. At times we get fruit like what is Florida known for? Oranges. And there's some of those still around and picked. And we all enjoy it. We enjoy fruit. In fact, we like to have a variety of fruit available to us. And physical fruit is good. We enjoy it. We eat it. But what about spiritual fruit, like the fruit of the Spirit? A song we sing, and we were talking about it earlier in our prayer group, Steve Edward, the song we sing is the fruit of the Spirit. And I don't know if everybody knows it, but it's kind of a fun song. I was going to have Steve up, come up and illustrate it, but okay. And one of them is the fruit of the Spirit's not a coconut. And what do we do, Steve? Go like this, those who worked in Awana. It's not a coconut. If you want to be a coconut, you might as well hear it. You can't be a fruit of the Spirit. Because the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. So they learn all that through that. Then uh, we know the fruit of the Spirit's not a banana. And you try to circle like a banana. That's another one. And then another one's not a watermelon. Okay. So, and then it's not, this one even uh, added, I was looking up the words, not a lemon. I don't think we did that one, did we? I don't know how you do a lemon. But uh, that's another one listed. Not a cherry, not a grape. But they're learning as they sing this song what the fruit of the Spirit is. And the fruit of the Spirit should be In our lives as believers, it is here, but are we showing it? We are given God the Holy Spirit to reside within us when we're saved, and that includes the fruit of the Spirit. So do fellow believers, do unsaved people see the fruit of the Spirit apparent in our lives? Is it apparent? Romans 8.11 says, But if the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through His Spirit who dwells in you. We have the Holy Spirit within us. So where can we find, and some of you already know where we're going to be this morning, where can we find a list of the fruit of the Spirit? Join me in a familiar passage, Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 and 23. Galatians 5:22 and 23. And here's what is shared. But the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, 
patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. Let's bow for a word of prayer before we look at this fruit. Father God, we're thankful that you saved us. We're thankful, Lord, we didn't deserve it. We didn't do anything to earn it. But Lord, we're just thankful we can call you Abba, Father, this morning. We're thankful that you care about everything going on in our lives. Every second of every day, you're with us. We're thankful for the Holy Spirit. And I pray, Father, as we study this week and next week about the fruit of the Spirit that's within us, Lord, that we would be showing it. It would be evident to those around us because we need you working in our lives. Thank you for your patience with us and your long-suffering. And I pray you would guide this study that your name would be honored and glorified as we open your word together. In Jesus' name, amen. Before looking at the fruit in these two verses, we need to understand the context of what this passage is about. The fruit of the Spirit contrasts the works of the flesh. And the works of the flesh are just preceding in verses 19 through 21. We see what the deeds of the flesh. Verse 19, the deeds of the flesh are evident, which are immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmities, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, disputes, dissensions, factions, envying, drunkenness, carousing, and things like these of which I forewarn you, just as I forewarned you that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. That's quite a list of the evil deeds, sins from our old sin nature, works that are a natural result of being totally depraved. That first grouping are sensual sins like immorality, which we get the word pornography, and deeds like adultery, fornication, homosexuality, bestiality, prostitution, and incest. The word impurity means unclean or medically speaks of an infected oozing wound. Sensuality addresses the lack of restraint, sexually not caring if someone hurts another person. That second grouping, their superstitious actions that include idolatry. Warren Worsby shares, The Christian who devotes more of himself to his car, house, or boat than he does to serving Christ may be in danger of idolatry. Anything we put before God. Witchcraft or sorcery, we get our word pharmacy. Magicians in Paul's day often used drugs to bring about evil effects. This addresses mood and mind-altering drugs and often used in pagan worship in Paul's day as people tried to communicate with the pagan gods. And as we heard this morning, how the Baal worshippers, they were trying every which way to get their attention of the God who wasn't alive, Baal, and it didn't work, did it? The third group of these evil sins that we practice have to do with relationships with others. It talks about enmity, strife, which are attitudes of hate and bitterness. 
disputing, descending, dissensions toward others, factions, envying, which are animosity between individuals, drunkenness, rowdy and crude behavior are all common sins from our old sin nature. Because it also says, and the like, and things like these, this isn't a complete list. There's more that could be added. But they're all sins of the flesh, sins of the unsaved. And before we were saved, what were we? We were unsaved. We were practicing these. Say, well, I didn't practice this one, but maybe this one, and it's not a hit and miss. You sin, you're a sinner. We're all sinners. We all need Jesus Christ as our Savior. These verses tell us that those who practice these sins all the time as a habit, as a way of life, will not inherit the kingdom of God. Because if we really have the Holy Spirit within us, how can we practice things that are against what God's Word and the Holy Spirit, what God says is sin? It can't happen. And we just want to note here that works or deeds of the flesh are plural, while fruit of the Spirit is singular. Now we come to the fruit of the Spirit in contrast to the works of the flesh. John MacArthur interjects, Fruit of the Spirit is always produced completely in every believer, no matter how faintly evidenced, its various manifestations may be. In other words, there might be a little bit of faint of this fruit, but when we have the Holy Spirit, we have the fruit of the Spirit. But is it evident? Is it being practiced? Do others see it? That's the question. And that's where we daily have to say, Lord, when we wake up in the morning, we say, Lord, thank you for waking me up. And the second part, what is it, Doug? What do you want to teach me, Lord, today? Does he want to teach us how to show in our lives the fruit of the Spirit that's already there? Absolutely. Does the world need to see that? The fellow believers need to see it? We were talking a little earlier, laughing a little bit about it. One of these, we'll get at it later, is patience. How many are very patient this morning? How many pray, Lord, I want it and I want it now? Is that patience? We all do it, don't we? We all have that one that we struggle with, but God is patient with us. It says he's long-suffering toward us. He doesn't give up on us when we put our trust in him on a daily basis. A commentator, Kenneth Weiss, tells us, the choice of fruit instead of works is due probably to the conception of the Christian experience as a product of a new and divine life implanted in the saint. We have God within us. We have God to walk with us. The God who directs everything in our lives. He's sovereign over all. He knows our thoughts before we think them, as we're reminded in Psalm 139. Warren Worsby says, When you think of works, you think of effort labor, strain, and toil. When you think of fruit, you think of beauty, quietness, and unfolding of life. A machine in a factory works and turns out a product, but it cannot manufacture fruit. Fruit must grow out of a life, and in the case of the believer, it is the life of the Spirit. 
We don't often talk about the Holy Spirit's work in our life. But He, the Holy Spirit works in our life every day. Sometimes God even works in our life despite us. Have we ever been in the way of God's answer? God says, I'm trying to teach you this. Please get it. And we're saying, now Lord, please give it to me. He says, here it is. Because we're not looking at things according to God's plan, but our own plan. And God wants to accomplish His plan in each of our lives. Does God have us in a certain place at a certain time accidentally? What's, what is it when people say good luck? What does that mean to a believer? Is there luck? Does God lead in every part of our lives? And that's the question. And if He is, and if He's working in our lives, our lives are constantly changing. And they're changing more to be like who? Not some sports star. Be more like Jesus. So that others see a glimpse of Jesus in our lives. The fruit of the Spirit in... A believer's life is evidence of a believer's salvation. It's an outward sign of an inward change. Matthew 7.15 says, Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they're ravenous wolves. You will know them by their fruits. We will begin looking at the fruit of the Spirit. Today we'll look at the first three. These are evidence that we're believers. It's showing forth. So these first three evidence of the fruit of the Spirit are mind and heart attitudes. And that first evidence as we look at Galatians 5, verse 21, 22, 23. In contrast to verses 19 to 21, it says what's the first word in verse 22. But, we've seen the list now of those deeds, those works of the flesh that are from a sinful nature. But then in verse 22, we see a change, but the fruit of the Spirit. The first one is love. What do we know about God's love? It's the divine self-sacrificing love for the benefit of the one being loved. And one verse that we can go to that we often think about is what? John 3.16. When we're trying to share the plan of salvation with others, John 3.16 tells the story of the gospel of salvation. This divine love is always sacrificing for the benefit of the one being loved. It's uh, also illustrated in John 11, verse 33, when Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who came with her weeping, he groaned in his spirit and he was troubled and he said, where have you laid him? This is Mary and Martha. They said to the Lord, come and see. And it says, Jesus wept. Jesus wept. The Holy Spirit's fruit of love needs to increase in our lives. Why? Does the Lord want us to show His love toward a lost world? I know sometimes we get lost with so many things going on, so many circumstances going on in our lives. We see, seem uh, overwhelmed 
But what is that person who doesn't know the Lord, what does he need? What is his number one eternal need? Salvation. He needs who in his life? Jesus. And so when we have the answer and we get that opportunity and God's timing is there to share, God gives us the words, doesn't he? He gives us a scripture to remember because that person is going to be in eternity either with the Lord or without. And I know sometimes it's easy to forget eternity is at stake when we walk in life and we see those who need the Lord. Uh, love is a mark of salvation. It says in 1 John 3.14, we know that we have passed from death to life because we love the brethren. He who does not love his brother abides in death. 1 John 4.7, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. So it's an evidence that we know the Lord on a personal level. We also heard in the message this morning, Jason was sharing, we don't live in a real pat-on-the-back Christian world, do we? That says we believe in your values that are taught in God's Word. We believe we need to walk with the Lord every day. We don't see that, do we? But yet, here in the midst of all of this, we have our brothers and sisters here at Lakeside. I think that's something I take for granted at times. I think we all do at times that we need each other, not only to pray for one another, but to help us through the difficult times. We only have one opportunity to walk on this earth, and then it'll be with the Lord forever, and eternity will take place. We have that one opportunity here on this earth to support each other, to pray for one another, to practice intercessory prayer when it would be so easy to just say, well, I'll just pray for all the missionaries. And when we know specific needs, we know how to pray, as was shared this morning as well. As we talk of God's love, I ran into this written by John Trussell, and he's in Union Springs, Alabama, in prison. And he wrote this about God's love. And I like to share these because... These men and women that write this have nothing to gain. They don't get on the front of Life magazine when they write these. They write from their hearts. And they write when they're in a place that hopefully none of us will be in. Or as Doug and I, you go in and you come back out. You don't just go in and you stay there for a while. God's love I cannot measure. His grace I cannot weigh. But He has proved forever faithful He is my rock and strength. In this concrete cell in the darkest hour of night, I prayed in anguish with my heavy load. His loving arms reached down to me and His mercy overflowed within me. I felt His love surround me as He soothed and calmed my fears. He was there to still my heart and to dry my tears. But when my burdens seemed too heavy for me, His loving Spirit... He sent to care. He was there to offer comfort and intercede for me in prayer. A sweet promise within His Word, I held Him in my embrace. And within the quiet shelter of His love, I finally found my resting place. You can always rest in Him.
God's always there. He will never abandon us. This divine love again, described in detail, we won't turn to it, but 1 Corinthians 13, verses 2 to 8, we see there in that love chapter, talking about what true love, what this love is that we need to have growing in our lives. It's there, but it needs to be growing so it becomes evident. And as I think of God's love, I go back, and I don't know if any of you have read any of her biography or autobiography of Corey Ten Boom. Anybody know, remember who Corey Ten Boom is? I remember as she was getting toward the end of her life, she was speaking before a large crowd, and suddenly there was a scuffle in the back of the auditorium, and a man got up, and he started walking toward her. And she kept speaking, but as he got closer, she recognized him. He was one of the Nazi guards that was responsible at one of the concentration camps that Corey Ten Boom was brought into. And as he got closer, she could see he was crying. And he finally got up to where she was and where she was speaking. And she stopped and he said to her, he said, with tears in his eyes, he said, I hope you can forgive me for what I did, but I I now have Jesus in my life. And Corey Ten Boom came off of that podium and stood with him and said, How can I not forgive you when God has forgiven all in my life? That's someone with God's love in their life to be able to do that with all that she went through. Do others, including our brothers and sisters in Christ, see God's love in our lives? Is it evident? Is it showing through? Because it's there but it needs to be showing more and more to the outside world because our world desperately needs God's love. The second proof, the second evidence of the Spirit's fruit in the believer is what it says, love, joy. Warren Worsby describes it this way, it's that inward peace and sufficiency that is not affected by outward circumstances. Boy, that's, that's good, isn't it? We all need that joy. God's joy is full and complete. Jesus says, until now you have asked nothing in my name. Ask and you will receive that your joy may be full. John shares in 1 John 1, 4, And these things we write to you that your joy may be full. Does God want us to have a full joy in our lives? Does he want us to be depressed and and worried about all these circumstances? God has given that fruit of the Spirit in our lives. We just need to lean to it. We need to grab it. We need to say, Lord, help me to show your joy to this world because there's not a lot of it out there, is there, on your own? This joy of the Holy Spirit and the believer rests in God's sovereign control over half the things? All things. What is Romans 8.28? Is that just good for some people, but not for all believers? He works out things some of the time, 
Or God has to say, oh my, there's a mistake. God doesn't make mistakes. His word is always true. And as I was thinking about joy, again, I saw this in the loaves and fishes. One inmate, his name's Dwight. He's serving time in Ocala, near Ocala. He writes this, Joy is childlike, unspoiled response to simple pleasures and wonders of life. The release of the human spirit from dullness and heaviness to vibrant response to God. The emotion of satisfaction, pleasure of peace, ecstasy of love, a sense of unshakable well-being, it is well with my soul. A lovely outglow of the Holy Spirit, the overflow of a thankful heart, delight found in God's presence and a relationship with Him. A fountain of life flowing from God Himself into our spirit by which our spirit and soul receive nourishment. The confident submission and quiet strength of the pain-pierced soul. Music of the hurting heart. The melody of heartstrings stretched by God's wisdom and fingered by His love. Laughter of the heart in the face of suffering and celebration and jubilation of triumph. The original created nature of the human personality the nature of the new creation, the immediate reward of faith and the blessing of hope, pleasure in God and all that He is and does. That's quite a list. He was just praising God for joy that He had in a place that we wouldn't choose to be, a place He wouldn't choose to be, but where God has Him for now so that He can share uh, the fruit, that fruit of joy with those around him. This joy is described as gladness of heart. God's word records for us in First Thessalonians one six, and you became followers of us and of the Lord, having received the word in much affliction with joy of the Holy Spirit. Joy got the believers in Thessalonica through the tough times and God will bring us through the tough times as well. Have you ever heard the chorus, I've got the joy, joy, joy? Okay, I see a few of you. I know that one. And then we sing, we have the joy, 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 joy down in our heart. Yeah. Where? Down in our heart. Inside. In our hearts. So it can show forth the joy that God gives us in our heart. Today, the Lord could come. He could take any one of us home in the next minute and we'd be with Him forever. That should give us joy, shouldn't it? All the things going on in this world around us, we're still a very blessed nation. We haven't had the persecutions that, such as in Africa and other places of the world. We haven't had all the effects of the COVID like right now in India they're having. But we should have God's joy because in the next moment we could be with God forever in heaven in His presence. We're just here a short time. My dad's 94. Our oldest son's 41. I feel like 101 some days. I think we all do. Especially getting out of bed in the morning. I don't know what it is. Things creak that never creaked. But I know God's with me to wake me up. He wakes me up here on this earth. He wakes me up in heaven 
someday instead, that's a better place anyway. That's why we have to look toward that. Lay up our treasures up in heaven. Philippians 1.25 says, And being confident of this, I know that I shall remain and continue with you for your progress and joy of faith that your rejoicing for me may be more abundant in Jesus Christ by my coming to you again. God changes our plans from time to time, doesn't he? And we should say, thank you, Lord. I don't know how many times I've heard God's timing intervening. Well, to us it's God's timing, but God knew it was all going to happen even before we even thought about it. God already had the plan. We don't give God, I guess, enough praise and, and thankfulness how he changes our plans so often. Our plans are usually messed up, aren't they? God's plans, he never makes a mistake. So do we show a gladness of heart to others? Is it a a dim testimony or does it shine forth? The others say, I see joy in your heart. I see God working in your life. And the only way you can have joy in the circumstances you're going through right now is that he's given that to you. It's there. We just need to show it. The third evidence of the Spirit's fruit, it says love, joy, peace. John Wolver describes this peace as an inner repose and quietness, even in the face of adverse circumstances. We go to Philippians 4, 6, and 7 quite often. That whole passage talking about rejoicing in the Lord always, talking about being anxious for nothing and turning everything over to the Lord in prayer. That's for us. God already knows about it. And God says, I'll give you my peace. And people don't understand it. But you do understand if you have it and you know if you don't. That's the only way we can describe it. Uh, As Doug and I were ministering to inmates uh, when I was still at the jail, I remember inmates saying, how do you describe this? And we say, you can't. But if you have it, it's there. You can tell it's there. If you don't have it, then you're anxious. And that peace, we need to ask for every day because we don't know what's around the corner, do we? Only God does. Christ's peace, He's given us. John fourteen twenty seven. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give it to you. Let not your heart be troubled, let it not be afraid. Philippians 4, 9, The things which you have learned and received and heard and saw in me, these do, and the peace, God's peace will be with you. This peace is reflected in the expression having it all together. When we're showing God's peace, when it's evident in our lives, We have it all together because Jesus is the center of our lives. Remember the words, there's a hymn called Wonderful Peace that says this very well. Far away in the depths of my spirit tonight rolls a melody sweeter than psalm. In celestial-like strains it unceasingly falls or my soul like an infinite calm. Peace, peace, wonderful peace coming down from the Father above, sweep over my spirit forever I pray 
in fathomless billows of love. And it goes on and on. We need God's wonderful peace every day. No matter what comes into our lives, God's peace in our hearts will get us through. Uh, One commentator shares that it's the tranquility of mind based on the consciousness or a right relation to God, meaning literally to bind together, to keep us together. We ever feel like we're falling apart? Maybe I'm the only one. Just feel like, boy, there's a peace over here and a peace there. God keeps God's peace keeps us together. Romans five one says, Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. God is our Father through Jesus Christ. He walks with us, he talks with us. Now I'm not going to start singing. That has been another hymn there. But he does. He's right there every second, every day. It was prophesied in Isaiah 53, 5, but he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him. We're not enemies of God anymore as his children. We're at peace with God through Jesus Christ. So do our lives shine forth peace from within that the Holy Spirit has put into our lives in Christ. And God's peace isn't something we can look up in the dictionary and Webster will say, here's peace, but here's God's peace. And here's how we define it. But it is there if we just let the Holy Spirit shine forth through us His peace. The fruit of the Spirit is within every believer because it's the Holy Spirit of God within us at salvation and He's producing His fruit through the believers. And we live in a world of chaos. The things we, we think it can't get any worse and it gets worse. Why? Because that sinful, depraved nature just thinks of more things. And I'm always reminded as, as challenging as times as we live in, I always think back to Noah. How many in Noah's day were following God? Thousands? Millions? Him and his family. It's it for the world. So we can always think of Noah, and Noah believed God. He built an ark when they didn't know what rain was. And God told him how to do it, and he obeyed. And God could have wiped us all out there, but he didn't. By the grace of God, Noah and his family, God, by his grace, brought them through that flood. Do we ever feel like a flood in our lives? We haven't had a lot of rain, but sometimes they're talking about hurricane season again. It was brought up in our prayer time, you know, the the hurricane season. God's with us in the hurricanes. And those tornadoes spawn, they come off the water and come onto the land. He's with us. He's with us every second of every day. And if it's our time to go, nothing's going to stop it, will it? But if it is, we as believers know where we're going to be. And that's with the Lord forever. Do others see a clear picture of these three fruits that we've started this morning? See the proof that the Holy Spirit's working in our lives. That this fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, and peace, is working out itself to the world around us. 
Or are these fruit out of focus in our lives? The third person of the Godhead has his fruit in us. And we have the opportunity to grow in our faith, grow in showing the Holy Spirit's fruit to this lost world. And if there's any changes, anything we need to do, God speaks to us through the Holy Spirit that we need to make those changes. And who helps us to make the changes? God does, the Holy Spirit. He doesn't say, go do it, do the best you can. He says, I will help you. And these will not be just changes for a day or two. They're not New Year's resolutions, but they're something that are life-changing as others see the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. Next week, we'll address the other six proofs of the fruit of the Spirit within us. But let's think about these three this week and make sure the world around us is seeing the Holy Spirit's fruit in our lives. Let's bow in prayer. Father God, we thank you this morning for the opportunity to open your word, to look at the fruit of the Spirit, Lord, uh, the fruit that through your Holy Spirit is in our lives at the point of salvation. May it be clearly shown that as we grow in our faith and our walk with you, as we seek with only your help, but can we do it to be more Christ-like, that this fruit of the Spirit is being evident, not only to the unsaved around us, but to our brothers and sisters as well. Because, Father, we can't produce it no matter how hard we try. Only your Holy Spirit can. And I pray, Father, this coming week we would show your love and joy and peace, that others would see that glimpse of you working in our lives because they see some evidence. They see see this fruit that could only be produced by God the Holy Spirit. And I pray, Father, you would be with each one here this week that we would count every day as a blessing, count every day as an opportunity to live for you, that our lives would bring honor and glory to you in every way. We thank you and praise you. In Jesus' name, amen.